But up first, we have our top story today that involves the quest for autonomy hitting another milestone as Aurora starts building terminals for its autonomous trucks in South Dallas. Alan Adler is here to bring us the latest. Alan, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Happy happy new week here. Yeah, happy new week. Yeah. So uh, Aurora uh, Innovation is not the only company that has worked on what are called landing and launching terminals for uh, autonomous trucks, but they probably are farthest along at this point in terms of you know being really intentional. They're, the head of, of the area for them is the former chief technology officer at Rider System, uh, Kendra Phillips. And uh, she told me last week that you know what they're doing in Palmer, Texas, a place I actually visited a couple of years ago to see what they were doing from a drop and hook perspective in the early days of their autonomous uh, runs on uh, I-45 in Texas. Um, not much to look at back then. And I'm not sure there's a ton to look at now. I might find out in a few weeks, though. Um, but what they're doing is creating all the systems and the processes for how to get these trucks off the road autonomously, which is, that's new. They're actually driving on the off-ramp and then up the surface road into the terminal, which they weren't doing a few years ago. And then basically going to a pre-assigned spot, uh, shutting off, Lights in the truck change so people know it's safe to approach it. Uh, again, we have safety drivers in these trucks right now, but they're not really doing anything at this point. They're they're basically just there. And then the safety driver gets out and other uh, humans at the terminal go through all the maintenance, the fueling, the weighing, the uh, pre-trip inspections and things like that, move the truck to another designated spot and launch it from there autonomously back onto the road. This is taking less than an hour. That's a quick turnaround, including a drop and hook and and, and that sort of thing. So the efficiency around autonomy goes way beyond just the driving on the highway. Absolutely. And I think that's a point that we really can't overlook, especially with these companies that now have been running with a safety driver here for a pretty decent amount of time as they look to get that final step into fully autonomous, right? And that's kind of been everybody's question is what happens when the truck gets off the road? Do you have people just sitting there waiting for the next truck to come up? And I think that that efficiency part is really important because when you look at it compared to what a normal truck takes when it goes off the road and stops, what does that look like time-wise? Well, uh, there's no snacks, there's no drinks, there's no restroom stops, there's probably very little emotional uh, activity because these are robots. So, no, and I'm being facetious, but but really you're taking out all of those activities that would typically happen uh, either at a at a truck stop or at, at a terminal. Uh, you know, the wait time and getting this down, the process is a, really the last thing that Kendra Phillips said they really need to work on is, is getting all of this into process. Um, some of the places where drivers at one time would have been in the cab and, you know, by the end of next year, Aurora and Too Simple both say they will be driving at least one route uh, autonomously with no driver. Um, the drivers ultimately are going to end up in some of these terminal type roles because it won't necessarily be doing inspections, but they might be doing the first or last mile uh, driving of the of the load to the terminal. And then, you know, it goes into the process there. So you're still going to have plenty of drivers. These jobs arguably are better than long haul in terms of appeal. And uh, the ideal situation is you'd have more drivers involved in that, replacing, I guess, or substituting for the, the drivers that would be, you know, doing these hauls now. So I think that, you know, what Aurora is trying to show is that they've got the whole package underway, that they're not just looking at one aspect. Obviously, they continue to work on their software, validating that. They said a week or so ago that they are um, 
feature complete, uh, which basically means they've mastered their checklist of things they need to do. Now they need to validate all of that. Um, Interestingly enough, a little plug here, we'll have Chris Urmson, who's the uh, CEO and co-founder of Aurora on Truck Tech on Wednesday this week uh, for, for an interview. So we're going to catch up a little bit more with him on all that's going on there. Now, it's important to note that Aurora is like almost all the other companies in this space. They're short on money. So, you know, it's going to be a question of, uh, you know, being able to keep doing this and having enough money to get everything done, either to, you know, go back to the markets and borrow or whatever. And we'll, we'll take this up with Chris, among other things. But I, I think that, you know, um, the survivability of these companies really does depend on being able to, uh, you know, pay the bills and continue to pay for the things they need to pay for. Um, it's just amazing, guys, how how brutal the market has been to these startups, especially compared to the SPAC frenzy of a couple of years ago. And Alan, when we're looking at this latest move from Aurora, where does this put them, I guess, in the autonomous race compared to some of the other competitors in the market? Is this just like one small step in the grand scheme of things, or is this a significant move that needs to be consistent here? Well, I, I surveyed all the other uh, companies about where they are with uh, uh, you know, with terminals at this point. And uh, almost all of them, interestingly enough, the common denominator to this story was Ryder because about four of them have deals with Ryder to to work on terminals and work on maintenance and things like that. I mean, they're, they're obviously off, off, uh, offloading work that, you know, uh, R&D and computer engineering for autonomous doesn't know anything about maintenance of trucks and they don't pretend to. So, you know, you go get a partner to help you with that. Um, in a couple cases, in Waymo's case and in Two Simple's case, those are both on hold because both of those companies have have sort of either, uh, you know, in, a, in Waymo's case, they've they've sort of hi- on hiatus is a nice way to say that they've sort of shut down the uh, all but shut down the the Waymo Via business uh, right now as part of Waymo's overall cuts. Um, Too Simple has retrenched dramatically and and is down to, you know, three terminals in one in Arizona, uh, which is where they're going to run their their uh, commercial route in the end of 24, uh, and uh, two in Texas. Um, but they've shut down most of the operations in, in, in Texas, which is related to a lot of those 350 layoffs they did in December. So, um, it's happening, but I would have to say at this point in this area, and, and it's really hard to, you know, the horse race thing is is both easy and hard because when you look at certain aspects, you say, wow, you know, Aurora is leading here, but maybe they're not leading there. And, you know, the uh, Kodiak is leading here, but they're not leading there. So I think you've got a, a handful of players now, those are two of them, that are advancing the art or the science of, of autonomous trucking. Um, others are still out there. They, you know, maybe not embark anymore. More, uh, you know, we wrote last Friday that that uh, Brandon Moak has left the company. That they're auctioning off a lot of their equipment and even the furnishings in the office and things like that. So it's hard to tell what's going to come of them. Um, it, but whatever reinvention happens, if there is one, it's going to be much different from what we saw. And Embark was a leader, guys. I mean, they really were. They were leading in many areas, and but you know, the capital just wasn't there for them to continue. So the shakeout continues. We'll see just where this ends. Um, you know, in terms of uh, you know who's going to make it. Uh, another advantage for Aurora here, though, is they do have two. Uh, manufacturing partners in PACAR, which is Kenworth and Peterbilt, and uh, Volvo Truck. So uh, they have two manufacturing partners they're working with. So, you know, they're definitely in the game, no question about it. 
And Alan, really quickly before we let you go, you mentioned cost earlier. Any insight on what it was like, what the cost was like to build out one of these terminals? And if that's something that could possibly be a headwind for Aurora as well? Um, I don't know. Okay, I can't answer the question. I would tell you that there's not a lot of structures and a lot of, uh, you know, uh, brick and mortar involved. You saw uh, the canopy, perhaps the photo that they provided, uh, the canopy over the trucks. They had a maintenance facility there already. So I'm not real sure how much they've had to spend down there. But I do think that, uh, you know, the idea of putting the emphasis there is is obviously important for them. Awesome. And Alan, um, also one quick thing. Um, you had a story around Daimler as well with a recall. Can you tell us real quickly a little bit about that story? Yeah, a couple of recalls posted yesterday. And again, neither of them are, are terribly concerning. The, the couple rules of thumb, if you will, that we use with recalls here at Freightwaves is one is is volume. If it's 50,000 units, we'll, we'll tend to pay attention because, you know, I did recalls for a really long time uh, when I was at General Motors. And, and you know, if you figure that cars are sort of 10 to 1 in terms of order of magnitude, that would be 500,000 uh, cars. And so 50,000 trucks is quite a few. Neither of these uh, have accidents or crashes. There are some fires involved in one at uh, uh, one at Navistar. That was the other one we posted yesterday, probably a little more serious in terms of consequence. You had some underhood fires that developed because of a of improper electrical load going to uh, the uh, heating and ventilation module. Uh, this is something that, you know, is, again, probably a little more serious in terms of getting it fixed. Um, the, the Daimler one on the windshield wiper, um, you know, yeah, you want your windshield wipers to work, but really, if you're doing your own uh, pre-driver inspection or, you know, a pre-inspection, you're going to catch on if your win- windshield wiper isn't working or wipers aren't working and arguably would be able to call out on that. So, uh, yeah, we write these because of volume and because they're, you know, significant and from a number perspective, but I don't think either of them are, you know, truly, truly life and death matters, though NHTSA does use the term, you know, uh, increased risk of a crash. All right, Alan, thank you for that. We'll detail a little bit more about those coming up in our first look at headlines, and we'll talk to you later on this week. Okay, thanks, guys. Right now, we're going to head over to the wall for our first carry update of the morning. <laughs> 